Hey, so what's been your go-to pandemic outfit? A couple Sundays ago when we kicked off this series that we're in, I said, I think historians are going to look back and call this season the year people gave up. And I think they're going to call it this because of just the unprecedented levels of stress and anxiety will cause us to, to just give up on some important things. But there obviously have been some things that have been positive that we've given up, uh, like dressing up every day for work. So I have these two sweatpants that I wear on Zoom calls, and and it's it's been a glorious thing. You know I'm not a big fashion guy, a big dress-up guy, and so at least part of the week I get to spend it on Zoom calls with a bunch of people uh, in my go-to sweatpants. And so what what is it for you? Go around the room, share it right now. What's the go-to outfit you wear during the pandemic? I think history is going to show that there are things that we gave up on, like fashion, but they're going to be important things, like marriage and sobriety and uh, fiscal responsibility and habits and routines and social connections. And so I I designed this... um, framework that I just call the five stages of doing anything worth doing. And so uh, it goes through recognizable stages, whether you're getting married, whether you're starting a job, whether you're starting a health routine, (coughs) whether you're giving up smoking. (coughs) I shouldn't say that. Can we, can we do that? Can we keep it going? Let's keep it going. Yes, let's keep it going. I'm sorry for coughing, right? Everyone starts at the same point. I call it delusional confidence. Uh, author Warren Bennis says, in any organization, you always want to hire a certain segment of your staff to be really young staff because what they bring is delusional confidence. And, and uh, I've been there before. You've been there before. Some of you are in the stage of delusional confidence right now because you are very, very young. But delusional confidence is that starting point where we all start and say, this diet's going to be great. This church is going to be great. This job's going to be great. Uh, My faith is going to be great. Following it, whatever it is, it always starts out, it's going to be great. And then you go to the stage of discouragement where you finally realize, oh my goodness, this is not going to be easy. This is not going to be quick. It's going to be painful. It's going to be difficult. I'm going to have to put in my hours to really make this go. And lo and behold, eventually, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be you're writing a book, putting together a new album, starting a new church, starting a new job, starting a new business, starting a new relate. It doesn't matter what it is. Everyone eventually reaches what I call the pit of despair. And this is the place where you ask yourself the question, am I going to quit? Is it worth it pushing on right now through this thing? Believe it or not, um, I have gone through these stages uh, with our dog, Meadow. Uh, she's been absolutely wonderful, except in one regard. She's the sweetest dog in the world, the most extroverted dog, has never met a person she didn't like, but she hates kitchen towels. What do they call them? Dish towels? Dish towels. She sees a dish towel hanging off of the oven, and she thinks to herself, I know what I must do. This dish towel must be destroyed. And so she, any dish towel we put up, man, she, dog grabs it. And so I'm in the pit of despair when it comes to dish towel. Those of you who are dog trainers, let me know. How do I get my dog to not eat the dish towels anymore? Some of you right now, however, are in the pit of despair when it comes to your faith. 
Like right now, you just feel spiritual lethargy. Like it's stale and you, you're just saying to yourself, man, I want to go anywhere but here. I need to try something new. Something needs to happen. And believe it or not, this is where the Christians in the first century were. We often think, oh, the first century when the Christians were new and Jesus was recently alive and then he went up to heaven, the apostles were there. Everything was easy. Everything was magical. It was not. It was no different than what we were going through today. They faced delusional confidence. It's going to be great. And then they realized, oh my goodness, actually, we're discouraged. It's going to be hard. And then they reached the pit of despair. And they asked themselves the question, are we going to turn back? Well, the writer of Hebrews sends out this letter. The very first week of this series, we talked about it in Hebrews 10, 22. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds and not giving up meeting together. And he's like, come on, don't you remember how you just gave everything that you had to Jesus? You were spreading the message. Look what it said, verse 34. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. That's how committed you were. And then in in chapter 11, what we looked at last week, we looked at this long list of people in the Bible that lived by faith. They were confident that God was always a work upstream in their lives. And so the Hebrew writer said, some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about on sheepskins. The reason you need to push through this dip, this pit of despair you're in right now is first, just think about how faithful you used to be, but think about how faithful other people were in the Bible. And finally, we come to our passage today. Hebrews chapter 12, the writer gives the ultimate reason and the ultimate way to push through the pit of despair. Look at what it says. Hebrews 12 verse 1, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, what does that mean? Since we're surrounded by a whole bunch of people who followed Jesus before, people in the Bible and then people that used to be in your life that have gone to be with Jesus, they're in heaven cheering you and me on. Don't give up. There's too much at stake. Don't turn back. You have to push through this pit right now that you're in. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And here's the point. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him when you're in the pit. Put your eyes on Jesus when you're going through the pit. Not on other people, not on circumstances, not on what's going on in the world. When you're in the pit, You have to look squarely at Jesus and what he went through for you. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. One of my favorite things to do with reading is to read biographies of great leaders. 
non-Christian leaders, Christian leaders, it doesn't matter. I just love to read great biographies and to learn lessons of history. One of the great people that I've read about in history is Adoniram Judson. Adoniram Judson uh, in the late um, or in the early 1800s was 22 years old and he was in love with a girl who was, who was 21 and her name was Marianne. Adoniram Judson wanted to be a missionary in India. He believed that God raised him up to be a missionary in India. And so he wanted to marry Marianne. And so he sent a letter because they lived a, a great distance away. He sent a letter to Marianne's father asking her for her hand in marriage. Now, this is customary. Uh, you would typically ask a father for, your daughter, for his daughter's hand in marriage or uh, a mother for her hand, daughter's hand in marriage. And so he wrote this letter, and I want you to listen to this letter, and you tell me if you would be moved to say yes. Adoniram wrote to Marianne's father, I have now to ask whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring to see her no more in this world. Whether you can consent to her departure and her subjection to the hardships and sufferings of missionary life whether you can consent to her exposure to the dangers of the ocean, to the fatal influence of the southern climate of India, to every kind of want and distress, to degradation, insult, persecution, and perhaps a violent death. Can you consent to all of this for the sake of him who left his heavenly home and died for her and for you, for the sake of perishing immortal souls, for the sake of Zion and the glory of God. Can you consent to all this in hope of soon meeting your daughter in the world of glory with the crown of righteousness, yours truly, Adoniram? What would you say? Uh, No, no. You want to know what her dad said? She can make up her own mind. That's what he wrote back. My daughter can make up her own mind. Well, she did make her up, up her own mind, and she decided that she was going to go ahead and get married. And they did, in fact, board a ship to India. When they got to India, the Indian authorities were going through a season where they were not, uh, the Indian government did not look favorably upon Americans, and they sent them back to the boat. Marianne asked, what are we going to do? And Adoniram said, we are going to stay on this boat and the next port that lets us land, we're going to get out and that's where we're going to be missionaries. So sure enough, a few weeks later, while they're at sea, she has a baby. The baby dies. They come to a port that lets them in. They looked at one another and they said, are we going to go back home? And they both said, no. And so they stayed in Rangoon, Burma. I don't know about you. That would have been the pit for me. I think some of you have lost children. You have lost people that you love. And you're thinking, how am I going to get through this pit? Adoniram was there. Country of Burma didn't have a single missionary at the time. And it was an extremely hostile environment for Christians. 
Judson shared Jesus with the people in the city of Rangoon for six and a half years. He got letters from his supporters in the United States and asked him, how's the work going? Not one time in six and a half years did Adoniram Judson lead one person to Jesus. I don't know about you, that would have been the pit for me. I probably would have quit then. Pretty soon his financial supporters said when they got word that no one was being reached, they stopped sending money. He sent letters that said, not only do I need money, I need more people, but no one sent anyone to help. Eventually, the Rangoon authorities put Judson in jail, and he spent years in jail at a time. He would preach, he would get arrested, he would get thrown in jail. One stretch, he was in jail for two years. 110 degrees, mosquitoes biting him every night. They would chain him upside down with his legs and back against his wall and his head and shoulders to the ground. And at one point, he spent two straight years in that position, eating in that position, sleeping in that position. And at that point, I would have said, this is the pit. I, I, I got to turn back. This would have definitely caused me to do. You know what he did? You know what he said he did? He kept his eyes on Jesus. In the middle of that prison, he kept his eyes on Jesus. He wanted to see his wife again, so he kept living. But while he was in that prison, you know what he did? He secretly started translating the Bible into Burmese. In that position, hiding his work from the soldiers, giving him to guards that were trustworthy to sneak it out. After all that time in prison, eating rotting food, wasting away, dressed in rags and crippled from torture, Adoniram got out just in time to watch his wife die. That for sure would have been the pit for me. I think it would have turned back. But Adoniram kept his eyes on Jesus. And you know what? By the time he died, after 35 years in Burma, Adoniram Judson had personally established 63 churches in Burma. And he had personally led over 6,000 Burmese people to faith in Jesus. Today, there are over 3,700 churches that trace their beginning back to Adoniram Judson. If you go to Burma up in the highlands, there is the Karen tribe. And there are over 180,000 believers in that tribe. They have over 100 Christian elementary and high schools. They send missionaries all over Southeast Asia. And if you ask them how it happened, it was Adoniram Judson. And how did he do it? He kept his eyes on Jesus. Listen to me. The pit is always a season of preparation. The greater the pain, the bigger the plan. Whenever we're in a pit, all we can see is the pit. We can tell, we can, we can hear people whispering in our ears like Job's wife, just curse God and die. But if we have the faith like the women and the men in Hebrews 11, that in the face of unparalleled pain, while we're in the pit, if we can just keep our eyes 
on Jesus. We'll see eventually that the pit was not meant to end us. The pit was meant to prepare us. It was meant to prepare us for something bigger, impacting people's lives for eternity. And so, I don't know what you're going through right now. I'm sure it's hard. But that pit you're in right now, where you want to turn around and go right back, listen, it's not there to destroy you. It's not there to take you down. It's there to prepare you because God has something that he's preparing you for. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that's already marked out for us Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him when you're in the pit, who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's pray. God, a lot of us feel... Honestly, like we want to turn back. We don't want to turn back, but this pit is long and dark. Help us to fix our eyes on you. We can look around or we can look at you, but we can't look at both. Help us to see you. Help us to see the end. Help us to see the prize. Help us to see the hope. Help us to see the love that you have for people in this world, which caused you to go to the cross and which is causing us and driving us to push through this pit so we can reach others for you. Help us to see this. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Brian Jones Sermons. For more information and to find similar articles on this topic and more, please go to Brian's website at brianjones.com.